Greetings to the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Dr. Catherine Pang, and it's so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way, the podcast ministry of the Christian Life Institute, and the Christian Life Institute's purpose to grow Christians forward, to live victoriously as overcomers in, but not of the world, through the hope and healing of Christ. If you miss any of our messages, you can find a link and more information on our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. As we begin, you may want to grab a Bible and follow along as we share scripture throughout Mm -hmm. our time together. Our message today is titled, A Planting of the Lord. Let's begin by reading Isaiah 61.3, and I quote, They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Let's begin by parsing out this verse. Who are the they? In the context of Isaiah, they are the children of Israel. In the context of God's relationship with his people, we are his people. We are the they. We are called oaks of righteousness. Let's examine the word oaks. An oak is a type of tree. There are over 500 species of oak. Oaks are an important source of hard and durable wood, used chiefly in construction, furniture, and formerly shipbuilding. An oak tree is a symbol of strength, moral resistance, and knowledge. The oak is considered a cosmic storehouse of wisdom embodied in its towering strength. Isaiah says they shall be called oaks of righteousness And yes, we will move towards the righteousness. For now, let's examine what we just read, which is the oak tree as a symbol of strength, moral resistance, and knowledge. Let me pause for a moment and remind us, it is not how we feel in the moment, but God, as he sees us and defines us as his child. If you are feeling weak in this moment, please be reminded that we just learned that an oak tree is a symbol of strength, and we are called oaks. Who is our strength? The Lord reminds us in Psalm 28, 7 that, and I quote, The Lord is our, my strength, and our, my shield. The psalmist continues to state, And in him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. We are called oaks, and oaks are symbols of strength. The symbolism is important in that it is not that the Lord is calling us to be strong in and of ourselves. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12:10b, quote, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our strength comes from the Lord, as we just read in Psalm 28:7. Symbolically, we are called oaks of righteousness, as in both our strength and our righteousness are imputed from the Lord to you and me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 reminds us, and I quote, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In addition to oaks as symbols of strength, we read there are symbols of moral resistance. Let's examine moral resistance. Moral resistance can be thought of as a commitment to the truth of God's word. Let's read 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, and I quote, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 7, and I quote, In the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. And in John 17, 7, Jesus prays, and I quote, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We live in a world which is pulling us into itself every moment of every day, whether by social media, comparison, belief, culture, expectation, and on and on and on. It's ever the more urgent that we resist the urge of crying out as the children of Israel, quote, we want to be, will be, like the other nations, from 1 Samuel 8.20. The pull for cultural worldly acceptance is strong, and in him, in Christ, we can resist the pull of the world. In Galatians 5:16 through 17, Paul says, and I quote, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We can also put on the armor of God from Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, and I would suggest we memorize the armor, and when in need, pray on each piece. And as Paul then reminds us in those verses, stand firm and pray. James 4, 7 exhorts us, and I quote, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. An oak tree is also a symbol of knowledge. As it pertains to our lifestyle, who is Christ, it is not worldly knowledge. It is knowledge of our Creator, Savior, God. Knowing Christ truly, deeply, intimately is critical to our freedom in Christ. Let's read Colossians 1.10, and I quote, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And Second Peter 3.18 exhorts us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. You and I are called by God as symbolic oaks, to be in and through him, strong, resistant to the ways of the world, and filled with his knowledge. We read in Colossians 1, 9, and I quote, We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will, and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. We have the previous gift through the power of Christ in us to know God's will, to have his wisdom and to have his understanding. Let's read Proverbs 2, 2 through 5, and I quote, Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now let's bring in the idea of righteousness. As Isaiah reminds us, we are not just oaks, which in and of itself, as we just learned, is a precious gift to be called oaks, but God. We are oaks of righteousness. Righteousness is one of the chief attributes of God as portrayed in the Bible. Its chief meaning concerns ethical conduct, right living, acting, behaving, thinking in the sight of the Lord in a way that honors Him. In Philippians 3.9 we read, and I quote, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. God the Father is righteous, just. Jesus Christ, his Son, is the righteous, just one. 
the Father through the Son and in the Spirit gives the gift of righteousness, justice to repentant sinners for salvation. We as believing sinners are declared righteous, just by the Father through the Son, and we are made righteous, just by the Holy Spirit working in us, and one who will be the holy, righteous, just in the age to come. We are and will be righteous because we are in a covenant relationship with the living God, who is the God of all grace and mercy, and who will bring to completion what he has begun in you and me, declaring us righteous for his sake. Our righteousness is not of our own making. Our righteousness is a gift that flows from his salvific grace. Job is introduced to us as a person who is perfect in righteousness. We read in Job 1.1, and I quote, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Micah is another example who declared the righteousness of God as his faithfulness to keep and act within the covenant and thus to save Israel from her enemies as well as to vindicate the penitent as we read in Micah 6, 8, and I quote, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Psalm 119.142 reminds us that God's righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and his ways are truth. Let's turn to the for in that verse, F-O-R. We are a planting of the Lord for, F-O-R, the display of his splendor. As we like to ask at the Christian Life Institute CLI, what popped from the verse I just read to you? What is the for, F-O-R? for the display of his splendor. Note we are a planting of the Lord for his splendor. Take a moment and pause. What visual comes to mind? Have you ever been in the midst of a beautiful garden? Have you ever been in an environment filled with splendor? What is splendor? Splendor is a brilliant or gorgeous appearance, magnificence, grandeur, Splendor and glory are often words used interchangeably in the Bible, as is evidenced by different translations. For example, in the Message translation of Psalm 145.5, we read, and I quote, Your beauty and splendor have everyone talking. I compose songs on your wonders. In the NIV translation, the word splendor, which we just read in the Message translation, is glorious. In the NIV, and I quote, they speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. Creator God created all for his glory. Let's read Isaiah 43, 7, and I quote, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. We were created with intentionality. We were created with purpose. We have meaning because we have meaning to God, and further in 1 Corinthians 10.31, we are exhorted that, and I quote, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Here comes an ouch question. Permission to poke, as we like to say. Are you choosing in whatever you do to do all to the glory of God? If not, why not? 
Let's take a brief excursus into one of the main reasons we have heard people say that they struggle with living for Christ fully, deeply, intimately. In so many of our blogs and podcasts, and as a foundational tenant at CLI, we frequently say, the truth of who God is according to the truth of his word, anchoring in, standing firm, or as Paul would say in Colossians 2, 6 through 7, I quote, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. It's hard for us to put roots into him if we're unsure as to his attributes and his way. And the best way to know his way is to know him. And the best way to know him is from his word. But God, if we doubt the inerrancy, the infallibility, the truth of God's word, then it will be very hard for us to trust, to walk by faith, and to anchor into the full assurance and full security we have in him. The purpose of this message is not to convince you, but to reassure you. As a lawyer in the past and a psychologist in the present, I often remind people that we can find experts to support any belief. We can always find a voice to confirm our own view, our own way. The battle of the experts or scholars is a never-ending battle. This is not intended to be a battle of the experts. This is a simple reminder that scripture is inerrant because God is inerrant. Let's review a few examples from scripture. God speaks truthfully, and you can read Numbers 23.19, Psalm 31.5, Isaiah 65.16, Titus 1.2, and Hebrews 6.18. So you might want to grab something to write these down if you want to look them up later. Therefore, God's word is true, as we read in Psalm 119.160 and John 17.17. And again, we're just giving a few examples. There are so many more. God spoke his word through scripture, as we read in Acts 1.16 and Romans 1.2. Scripture is the word of God written, as we read in John 10.35 and 2 Peter 1.19. Therefore, scripture is true. In other words, because God is truth and cannot lie, and because God not only revealed spiritual truths, the message to his prophets, as we read in 1 Corinthians 2.13, but also... Because God superintended the preparation and process of writing the words, as we read in 2 Peter 1.21, and because God inspired the product, the writing themselves, as we read in 2 Timothy 3.16, therefore the truthful God is ultimately responsible not only for the message, the content, but also the expression, the words of scripture. It's your choice to believe by faith. Let's read Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, and I quote, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. If you've been around CLI for a while, you're familiar with the statement that living Christ is a faith walk, a faith journey. Living Christ according to the truth of his attributes necessitates us choosing to believe his attributes as scripture reveals them to us. If we want more on the attributes of God, I recommend A.W. Tozer's two volumes named The Attributes of God. And A.W. Arthur Pink has a book also called The Attributes of God. 
We recommend both of those for more information. When we can anchor into the truth of who God is according to the truth of his word, then we can choose to digest and appropriate the truth from his word that everything God does, he ultimately does for his name's sake, for his glory. You may want to read the following scriptures as a reminder that whatever God does, he does for his glory. You may want to grab your pen again. Psalm 19, 1 through 4. Psalm 23, 3. Ezekiel 29. Ezekiel 36, 22 through 32. John 8, 50. John 12, 27 to 28. John 17, 1. Romans 1, 5. Romans 11, 36. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 and Colossians 1, 15 through 20, to just name a few. God made our purpose to glorify him. Let's read 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, and I quote, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If we are called to honor God, if we are called to display his righteousness, if we are called to glorify God, then let us resemble Jesus who glorifies God the most because he makes the invisible qualities of God visible better than anyone else ever could. In Colossians 1.15 we read, and I quote, The Son is the image of the invisible God. And in Hebrews 1.3 explains, and I quote, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Our purpose is to glorify God, to bear his image and reveal the truth about him to the watching world. Since Jesus is the exact visible representation of God because he is God, as we just read in Hebrews 1.3, our goal is must be to choose to walk as Jesus did as we read in 1 John 2, 6, which states, and I quote, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. God has a purpose for all, and that purpose is to mold us, refine us, conform us to the image of his son, Jesus, so that we may in our minds and bodies, in our words and deeds, glorify God, so that we can rightly be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The more we choose to allow the Holy Spirit to perform the work in us, he deems necessary, best, which may not be to our fleshly liking, the more we can in our day-to-day, -day, in the here and now, reveal the love, mercy, and grace of God to a fallen world, making the invisible visible and glorifying our God and the Lord Jesus. God's ultimate plan is to bring glory to himself. We are created for the purpose of God, lest we forget we were bought for a price and we are not our own. As Christ followers, as those committed to walking, living in his spirit, guided by the truth of his word in love, in word and deed, we have the opportunity and the privilege to make known, to reveal the light and love of Christ. In our name from Isaiah, Oaks of Righteousness, a planting of the Lord, for the display of his splendor. How are you living as an oak of righteousness today and each day? How are you planted for the display 
of his splendor. The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palpable. We want all who profess Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good from Psalm 34, 8. To want Christ truly, deeply, intimately, and personally to be your all in all. We pray this is a time of refreshment and growth. We value your prayers. We value your support. Please send any emails to radio at christianlifeinstitute.com. Thank you for joining us for The Living Way, presented by the Christian Life Institute. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang. Thank you so much for joining us.